Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. In Health Hacker, Adam breaks down a health topic for you in each episode. But this one's a bit different. This is a Health Hacker interview where we find out from inspiring people how they've hacked their lives and then we pass this knowledge on to you. We call it Hacking the Hackers. Plus, if you have an idea for a guest that you'd love us to hack for you, then hit up Adam directly at themanshake.com.au or via his Manshake socials. Paul Ruse and Dr. Tammy Ruse, co-author of the book Sport is Life. And Tammy has a PhD in parapsychic science with her dissertation on meditation. Helps people seeking to access the power of mindfulness and how to improve their lives. And Paul Ruse is a former Aussie Rules footballer and head coach, and most notably for the Sydney Swans. Thank you for coming in. And Adam, another great couple of guests to talk about on Hacking the Hackers. Yeah, great guests, great great friends of mine, people I admire, and um, you know, it's all about the perfect couple, complimenting one another. Uh, <laughs> it's the truth, you know. That they, even they, both wearing matching white, yeah, I know it's a podcast. Batman and Robin, yeah. Batman and Robin. So how are we, guys? <laughs> good, mate, good, good to see you. you. Thank you. And the thing I love about these guys is that they, um, you know, they, they walk the talk. So, you know, they're very, you know, much about health, wellness, and being successful and, you know, the, the key is, you know, having a strong wingman and that's where you guys are so good to be around. You really support one another and pull in the same direction. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's I mean, we got connected, I guess, because like everyone, you sort of meet in a certain circumstance, but then the connection really starts when you get to know someone and get to know what they stand for and their values and interest and things like that and got to know that Tammy was played soccer and went much to play soccer and, you know, was always really healthy and... Um, lived a really good lifestyle, similar family environment to me, you know, mum and dad out in the suburbs. Obviously, she was in California. I was in uh, a <laughs> fair way apart. But, yeah, so many similarities, I think, because uh, we connected really um, genuinely, not just visually but yeah. emotionally and what we did. I think that's really meant that we, you know, we haven't had too many down periods, during, which is which we're really fortunate. I think we, we're really blessed to have each other and have a great family. Where'd you two meet? Uh, we met in San Diego. So I was traveling. I'd been with a group of Fitzroy players in Hawaii on a footy trip. And then myself and one other guy went to, um, uh, we started in LA. Then we went to Vegas, myself and Brett Stevens. Then we went to a little um, surfy bar in, um, um, what was the place? Little The Old Pacific Ox Beach. Tavern in Pacific yeah. Beach. And I sort of pretended to be a professional surfer. <laughs> um, didn't go down too well. Tammy didn't believe me because... Californians can pick it. Straight well, away. Well, you know what? And those people, I'm sort of 55, and those people around my vintage would realise there was an era in, in Melbourne where you had to dress up to get in a nightclub. So you actually had to dress in like business pants and a like a, a shirt. Probably, yeah. I'm sure it happened up your yeah, way as yeah. well. So we just thought must happen everywhere in the world. So we walked into this like... <laughs> Um, literally, like literally, like a, a beach pub. Beach pub. <laughs> and me and Brad have got the Tuxedo. you know the black shoes <laughs> and the fleck pants, suit yeah. pants, and the you know collared business shirt type thing. Yeah. And we've looked around, and gone. Gee, I'm not sure they dress the same way over here. And they went, all the owners are here. Yeah. And then I, so it's hard to sell myself as a surfer when I look like I've come out of, you know. An accountant. accountant firm, yeah. Plus he hadn't looked at the beach. That was a dead giveaway. All my friends that were surfers, they go to the beach first before the pub. You stare, you watch the waves. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about um, – you guys professionally as well as you got to work together when you were head coach at the Swans and you're ahead of your time because a lot of people now are aware of the benefits of mindfulness and meditation, but in your era, it was seen as something that was a bit woohoo and a bit out there. Um, and Tammy's background, um, 
was really interesting how you combined and worked together in the professional world. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think probably the first thing is I, I find this notion of work-life balance really strange. So when I when I decide to do the job, it was we decide to do the job yeah, yeah. collectively. Like even the boys are really young at the time, yeah. but they were sort of involved in the conversation. And at that stage, it was, oh, why are you doing it, Dad? You know. So, but we collectively mentioned as a family. And then we really didn't go into it knowing Tammy would be involved as intimately as she was. But then because we'd been meditating for so long, it was sort of the natural progression of where footy was going. As you know, I mean, there's only so much more you can do in terms of lifting weights and running and kicking and all that sort of stuff. So the natural progression was, you know, the mind, you know, above the shoulders and, and that's where sort of Tammy came in. And I think as well, though, adding on to what Paul was saying was people started noticing the difference in Paul and I and yeah. saying, what are you doing? And so since we knew we were having such a positive impact in our own lives um, with the kids at home, our energy levels, just the reduction of stress, all those, the number, you know, all the benefits that, yeah, as Paul said, we thought for the players, it was the next thing for them so that they could leave the club as well. Because all of them, I mean, people tend to forget players aren't robots. Yep. <laughs> They've got families and they have their own experiences going on and different things. Some were students, some were, you know, parents themselves, and you're trying to negotiate a professional career. So if we could add to them to help them better balance their life and be, you know, happier, more content, which spreads to everyone, because it does have an impact across not only the footy club, but then, it, you know, you go home, et cetera. So, yeah, that was really our idea was to try to really empower the players as well. What are the benefits, Tammy, for people that aren't yeah. familiar with benefits of meditation? So the number one benefit is the reduction of stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. yep. Number two would be clarity of thinking and your focus is really increased because mm -hmm. you've reduced the amount of thoughts that you're having to so become much more present. Mm -hmm. Your energy levels increase, um, sleeping improves. Um, there is a stat out there saying that when you are having a consistent meditation practice, it's the equivalent of four hours sleep. So wow. for a lot of people yeah. that feel sleep deprived. And how many minutes? 20 it? minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But this is with a consistent practice. And mm -hmm. one of the things that a bit on the off to the side is that meditation is accumulative. So you get better. The, the more you do or the more time you put into it, the better the results. Mm -hmm. No different than going to the gym. Yep. You know, if you're going consistently, you're going to see results. Whereas if you meditate on Monday, think, wow, I feel great and don't do it again until Friday. It, do it doesn't do that. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And um, as well, I think the other thing that really starts to, to happen is that your communication starts improving because you're less stressed, which means your personal relationships improve. Yep. So those would be the main um, key benefits that, that I've witnessed, I've seen that the data and the science around the world um, backed up. Is there a right or wrong way, Tammy, to start? Like for people that want to start meditation, is there a right or wrong way to meditate? No, I and I'm actually huge on this because yeah. I think a lot of people are getting caught up in if I don't do it this, then and I, you know, if this doesn't happen for me, and they quit and they don't give themselves the the opportunity. So I always suggest no superior practice. There's no right or wrong as long as you sit and you actually try to be still, quiet your mind, close your eyes. That's really helpful to mm -hmm. start with, and. Um, you don't have crossed arms because you, you don't want to be engaged. Muscles not engaged. So yep. just put your palms upward on your thighs and relax. Just take some deep breaths and use an app or a guided meditation or you can find a teacher and learn that way as well. And there's no right or wrong way to do the meditational experience, is there? Like people think that they shouldn't have thoughts or they shouldn't Absolutely. drift off. Yeah, Talk to people about that. Yeah, so the, the big thing, like people say, oh, you know, I don't, you know, I, I have thoughts, so I, I, I can't do it. And that's mm. not right because... Number one, 
and I think I mentioned earlier um, to you today, 70,000 thoughts to average human being. And if you've never learned to practice it's a muscle, the brain. It's like, think of your brain doing weights. Yeah. So if you've never worked on that um, that aspect of yourself, you're really training your mind to relax. So one of the really big um, tricks of the trade though, science has validated if you listen to the sound of your breath, so with your ears, you're yep. listening to the inhalation, exhalation, you cannot have a thought. So for anyone wow, who's listening Say to this- again. Say that again, that's powerful. Yes, yeah, so- Science has validated if you listen to the sound of the inhalation yep. and the exhalation, you cannot have a thought. Wow. So for anyone, if, and that helps you bring you back to focus. So if you said, okay, I'm even going to try this for one minute. Mm -hmm. I'll try one minute in the morning. I'll try one minute at my mid-morning break, one minute at lunch. And you really listen to the sound of your breath. You will notice because when you do that, what happens is your awareness starts to go internally and you realize your muscles relax, your mind slows down and everything calms down. Your mind then has something to do as well. So it's thinking about that. So that's what it's thinking about. It's listening to the yeah. breath as opposed to going, well, I'll just think about what I had for breakfast and then I've got to do that list and all those things. It's giving yeah. it a process so that keeps it calm as well. Absolutely. And I think the other thing too is I, I try to encourage people when they're learning is if there's someone who is like that, as you mentioned, the to-do list, your mind is always going racing and you say, I cannot slow down. I cannot, you know, relax. I tell people, look, write it down, write down your to-do list. It's not going anywhere, but it's kind of like you've got to trick your mind in a way, like, because it likes being busy. It's kind of been going out of control for a long time. So the monkey brain. So write down your list. Because you've been training it. Like you're saying, Absolutely. it's training. You've been yeah. training it to be yeah. like that. So if you write your list down, then it's done. Yep. The other thing is people get caught up with time. I, what if I don't have enough time? Well, put the alarm on your phone. Everyone has either an iPhone these days, an Android something. You can set an alarm so that you can go, okay, if I only have 10 minutes, then my alarm's there. Take away that pressure. So there's a lot of hacks, really good hacks, very yeah. simple hacks you can do to make sure that you have a better practice. Yep. But again, even if you do have thoughts, then you come back so you have a thought come into your mind, go, okay, hang on, that's th I'm thinking again, I'll go back to my breath. If that doesn't work, I tell people to think of it as visualize clouds in the sky and they're going in one ear, out the other. That's just like your thoughts, right? It's just like let them pass. As long as you don't stop and focus on it, and you mentioned about like your to-do list, I got to go to the dry cleaners. If you don't have this dialogue about the dry cleaner mm. and you just go, okay, yeah, I got that, but let it go, I'll come back to my breath. You've gone back to meditating. Mm. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That's yeah, so it it's it's really simple, but you have to build up. You know, for anyone who's never run, you don't go out and run a marathon straight yeah. away. Or if you don't lift weights, you're not going to go and do 10 reps, three sets, and, you know, you're going to pump out this huge amount of weight. It just doesn't happen. So would it be fair to say that meditation is basically realizing that you aren't your thoughts, but just recognizing your thoughts? Perfect. Yeah, because you aren't your thoughts. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's actually very elevated. Yes, <laughs> but it is. It's true because you're not your thoughts. And a lot of people get stuck on that. They think they are, but they're not. Mm. Because what happens is you'll have those moments. And because it does happen if you're consistent with the practice where you realize some people go, God, I think, Tammy, I fell asleep. And I go, well, what do you mean? Well, I, all of a sudden I just came out. I go, no, but it's that gap. They fall into a gap in their thinking, which is silence. And they don't. They go, I don't know where I was. Was I asleep? What was I doing? And you go, no, that was actually meditating. So you drop into this gap between your thinking. So n a place of no thought, you have no awareness of it. And you then go, hang on, what just happened? I don't think I was asleep. 
and you go, oh, that's that space. Does that yeah, make, yeah. yeah, it makes total sense. And yeah. I, I don't think people respect enough the power of thoughts. Dr. Lipton, who's very famous, talks yeah. about how our thoughts change our brain chemistry and our mm. blood chemistry. Mm. Can you talk to people about the power of their thoughts? Well, our thoughts, I mean, they are creating our reality, mm. really. Yeah. So that's why the I think, you know, the Buddha said your life is a creation of your mind. Mm -hmm. Because if your thoughts are positive, you're creating more positive experiences. If they stay in the negative, you're actually drawing more, you know, that actually lowers your immune system, the number one emotion that actually does the the, the most, I guess, damage, so-called damage to us is the, the, the um, emotion of worrying. It drains our immune system completely because worrying has really, worrying does nothing. Mm. <laughs> you can't, by worrying, you don't change an outcome. You don't change a circumstance just because you're worried about it. Like you actually have no control over it. Does that make yes, sense? Yes. But with your thoughts, if you're focused always on the future, you tend to be anxious and you create anxiety. Mm -hmm. If your thoughts are always focused on the past, mm. so because you, you can't change the past, right? It's done. That goes into a state of depression. Mm. So you get more depressing thoughts. So it's, it's really quite clear. You go forward, it's anxiety. You stay in the past, it's depression or being depressed. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's about staying present and, and I think acknowledging you're all doing the best you can do in that. You know what I mean? I think we all walk out our door going, we want to have the best day possible. What are some of the hacks you think though are to activate that and be like, well, how do I get rid of that warrior? How do I understand these thoughts are not helpful for me? That is such a good question. I wish more people actually asked themselves that. It takes an, it takes effort. You have to actually be conscious of what you're doing and where your thinking is going. But the only way that you can do that is just by starting to get control of your thoughts. And that's going to be through a mindfulness practice, breath awareness exercises, or really sitting and engaging in meditation. Because unless you can create this relationship with your inner world, we're also focused on our outer world, our, you know, our, our jobs, our phones, mm. our emails, instant messaging. Okay, where am I going to lunch? What am I going to do? I've got to drop the kids off or I've got to go to, you know, pick a, get the car has to be serviced. The difference when you meditate, and I'll let Paul talk about this, is as well as you're actually choosing to prioritize you, and it's not being selfish, mm. but you have to learn to prioritize you because you have... You have one body, you have one mind. And if we do not learn to truly care for our mind or love our mind, because it's doing a pretty darn good job. It's on 24-7, 365, yeah. doesn't get an opportunity to quit and say, I I'm done. Mm. So we better really start looking at, and I think the incidences around the world right now with mental health on such an increase with all the different levels, be it anxiety, depression, um, people opting out of work, needing stress days. We're stressed. We are overly stressed because we have forgotten to look after our inner world. We've forgotten that we need to create a pause, even if it's five minutes a day that just says, this is about me and I can honor me. It's not selfish. It's actually not only for my benefit, but for everyone in my life. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. I think the, also the, the opportunity to recognise during the day when you are at your most pressured, you know, mm -hmm. and then instead of walking out of a sales meeting and walking straight into the person's office that just lost the sale, you know, walk outside, you know, take a deep breath, walk and have a coffee, walk, do something. So get something that 
that centers you to remain present. So there's the practice of meditation, which Tammy's so good at articulating, but then there's also how do I remain present in my day? Mm. You know, what are the things that I need to do to to really center me to get back to You'd imagine how hard it is walking from the coach's box after you've been beaten by 10 goals. You've got about three <laughs> minutes to get down in front of the players. Yeah. So you've got to have these hacks to actually say, how do I actually get myself centred? And I think about snow skiing is a great, what are the activities you do mm. that you're not thinking about anything else? Because if you do, you run into a tree. Yeah. Mm. You know, so all you're doing, so that's a form of, of active meditation is snow skiing. Because yeah. what are you looking around? You're going, there's the snow, there's the tree, there's my poles, there's the skis. You're not thinking about, yeah. you yeah. know, who's playing centre back for Carlton on the weekend yeah. or whatever. If you, so, or walking the dog, or walking through the park, or things like that. So, I think there's some really important things to help you, if you are a meditator, to help you complement your meditation. That's part of what what you might do that just brings you into that presence. So, when you finish that activity. You're then ready to go and attack that. Well, how do I get better? We've lost that sale, or how do we get better? We lost that game on the weekend. Unless you can do that, every day seems to roll into every problem rolls on top of another problem, and before you know it, you have some sort of you know, crisis that that really could have been dealt with quite simply through doing some of those things that we talked about. Yeah. So Paul's really just talking about that short. You know, it's like you just a circuit breaker. Mm. You just need mm. to create a circuit breaker because I cannot stress enough to the audience that's listening to this yeah. the relationship between your breath okay there it is so so powerful your breath and 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 calming your nervous system coming into your body and just helping you relax and you can honestly do it within 3 cycles of deep breathing truly because most people don't breathe correctly mm -hmm. they're shallow breathers and you can watch them you can look at their shoulders you can see that they're just only taking maybe the breath just to the you know midline of their chest they're not really going into the deep breath into their belly so tell people how they should breathe properly yeah so it's it's really I guess the best way that I describe breathing is if you could sit up in your chair. So I'll give an example if you're yep. at work and you're feeling a bit stressed. Sit up in your chair. To be honest, I really wouldn't worry about who's around you. We're yep. talking three cycles of breath. Yep. So um, hopefully your phone's on silence. You're not listening to something beep. Close your eyes and just take a really deep inhalation, but put your hand on your belly. So your stomach, put your hand there yep. so you can feel... Feel the breath. And if you can close your eyes, I'm going to try to give an example here. So maybe, I don't know, the audience going to pick up my breath yeah. if I do this. So you close your eyes. So you're centered. So really feel yourself in your chair. Feel your muscles starting to relax. And then you inhale quite deeply. So you feel that inhalation. You can even hold it as a pause. And then exhale. This is in through your nose and out through your nose. Do you feel that difference? Inhale again. Hold. And the third inhalation, inhale. Hold. Exhaling through the nose. And right away, the shoulders have dropped. You can feel everything quiet down in your mind and you're aware of where you're sitting, you're aware of the room and you're present. That's what presence is. I suppose it's about sitting in that gap between an action and a reaction. Yeah. If you can be present Absolutely. in that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that actually, that's another really, it's funny, but you become much less emotionally reactive the longer you meditate and you come from a space of responding. Reacting is like Paul saying, so you, you've just lost a game, you go down, you burst into the rooms and you give the players a spray, right? Yep. You've reacted. Responding is going, okay, I have an option here. I need to take a deep breath. Do I? And you, you, and you have a, com- a conversation with yourself. Yep. Do I say something? Don't I say something? What do I want to say? You start. It's almost like an inner reflection. So if you respond, it's from a place of ideally uh, detachment. It's not going to be an emotional burst that you can't take out, take back, mm. and that you've done something that you go later. I wish I really didn't say that. Yeah. And it might have damaged, you know, a relationship or you think that's not what I wanted to say. And sometimes those conversations do so much damage. Whereas if you go, if I just stopped for, you know, it's like. If I'm, I just breathed. If I just, yeah, yeah right. one minute. And I don't know, but if, if all of you felt that difference in just those three mm, breaths, I, I mean, did. the whole, the room even can change. The energy changes because it's so real. So it's about. Do, you know, reaction versus being responsive, but it goes back to what you were saying, Adam, about your thinking. So my thoughts in that instance are real, which is I want to create my best case scenario, which is I better do some deep breathing here because I want best case scenario. I don't want get me out of here, wish I didn't start that conversation. <laughs> That's the reactive. So it's, it's about knowing that your thoughts are creating this next experience Okay, because that's mm. really what's happening. You're creating your next experience of what you're going to have. Being present for me is is being able to define those thoughts. So what is a what is a positive outcome from the thoughts as opposed to so you almost got to use your brain and try and computer. You know that's what's being present. Mm. So what are the thoughts that because everyone's going to get negative thoughts yeah. or sad thoughts or angry thoughts or whatever. But being present for me, following from what Tammy's saying, is the ability. To choose. To, to choose which thoughts I'm then going to ex- express my words. Yeah, yeah. So what's mm. going to come out of my mouth? Now, if you're under pressure and you don't have that ability to be present, and f- then what typically comes out is the more emotional thoughts, yeah, yeah. Mm. the angry thoughts. If you have that ability to, to actually think through it, take the breaths or however you do it, then you're actually able to go, well, if I'm angry, they'll make them angry. And if I make them angry, they're not going to do what I want them to do anyway. Mm. So why would I make them angry? Why don't I make them happy? Yeah. So th- that's the difference between creating your reality and differentiate between your thoughts. Because I don't think anyone, I'm sure, I don't know whether they had the Dalai Lama here, but I'm sure he's got <laughs> negative thoughts. The Lama, do you think? <laughs> yeah, of course he does. We all have negative thoughts. Yeah. You know? But I'm sure he's got the ability, like, you know, he's as enlightened as anyone, just to discard those emotional negative thoughts and just let let them go, you know, let them float off into the, you know, the sunset. So what's your advice to people wanting to start meditation? Is there a preferred time? When do you personally do it? Personally, I like to meditate first thing in the morning because okay. it sets up your day. Okay. 21 years, I know if I've missed in the morning, I can honestly look back on my day and go, that did not go too well. And then you <laughs> meditate at 4 p.m. and you think, my day just didn't flow. Whereas yeah. if I meditate first thing in the morning, I've set myself up to be in a state of flow. But I find something that suits you. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing yeah, too, no, Tammy hasn't completely. touched on yet is creating a really good environment to do it. I think that's really important. Yeah. So creative. where, you know, where do you feel comfortable? Yeah. You know, turn your phone on silent. There's a hack. So let's create an environment that's conducive yeah. to meditating. What sort of environment is that? 
why I call it the sanctuary, like you create a space that you actually enjoy being in. And it's, it's no different than muscle memory with if it was, you know, learning a, you know, to play a musical instrument or playing a sport, the more time you put into something. But it, what happens is if you create the place that you like to be in, your body responds naturally. You go, oh, this is where she meditates or this is where he meditates. You sit down, your body starts to relax already because you've been forming a habit. Um, so in terms of like your room, the biggest thing is that you have an ability to um, dim the lights or shut some blinds because you never want to meditate in full sunlight. Uh, you want to, if it's winter, especially here in Melbourne at the moment, you want to be warm because your core body temperature drops when you meditate. Okay. So make sure you have like a light blanket or something around your shoulders just to relax. Um, if some of you, again, there's three different ways that I recommend meditating in terms of posture because it is important. Um, number one, it's it's not about lying down because most people fall asleep. <laughs> so it's sitting in a chair or sitting on the floor with your legs straight out in front of you, or you can sit cross-legged. Okay, so then, it, so that's absolutely fine um, if that's a comfortable position yep. for you. And um, really, you can have candles in that room. You could. There's so many things that you can do to create a space where you walk into and go, "This is where I relax." Yep. I don't recommend choosing a room that represents work. Like you wouldn't want to meditate in the kitchen, and that's yeah. oh, this is my rela-, you know, that's yeah. not my place to find in the kids' playroom. While they're yeah, <laughs> you know why? So do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, you yeah. pick, you pick, as Paul's saying, pick a time of day that works for you. But find a place as well that you really enjoy being in. That it, that you know, because it is. It's about the energy. Like we're, it's real. So where do I feel relaxed and go to that place? I, I love that. I'm a big believer in creating a super lifestyle, and you create that by creating an environment. Yeah. That puts you into that state. Absolutely. So yeah. people that want to lose weight, the first thing I tell them to do is get the crap out of their kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and if you're going to yeah, and if you want to elicitate happiness, have photos up of your family, your yep. loved ones to bring back great memories. Yep. Exactly. Same as meditation. <clears throat> yep. When you walk into that room, straight away you go yeah. into that relaxation mode because yeah. the environment is conducive to being relaxed. Yep. I think really good um, football clubs that I've been involved in, and I don't think we ever spoke about winning a premiership at Sydney, you know, which is making a budget. I don't think we ever really sat down and said we're going to win the premiership. What we did, we were really clear on what made a good day, really clear on why we won and why we lost. And we were able, because we were able to identify that really well, then if you win enough games, you make finals. And if you win enough games in the finals, you win a premiership. Right. And I think the biggest thing I see, and I talk to corporates about, same thing. If you have a good week yep. and enough good weeks, you can have a good month. If you have enough good months, you can have a good <laughs> yeah. year and then all of a sudden budget's going to be there. But if you don't know how you you know, behave and you don't know, you know how many phone calls you have to make a day in order to make you know, X amount of sales and if you don't have staff that are really bouncing into work and going, oh, I really want to be connected to this organisation – it's really easy to get focused on the outcome and just mm. saying, you know, well, we got to, we, we're short of budget. Well, why are we short of budget? We're short of budget because we've got disengaged staff. We've got staff that really don't know exactly what their roles are during the day. You know, they're too outcome focused. Yeah. So then when they it's the oh, well, they're, you know, I'm behind budget. Oh, I'm just going to give up for the as opposed to, well, I actually don't even know what my budget is, yeah. but I know if I, what I have to do tomorrow, <laughs> if I have a really good day tomorrow and then suddenly you look up and, you, as I said, you played in the grand final. So that, that's typically the way we've sort of structured things at Sydney and, and tried to carry that on at Melbourne. You know, what makes a good day? You know, if you can identify that and you have, and you have a bad day, then yep. you know, well, why did I have a bad day? Well, because I didn't do this and I've got to do that better and I've got to improve in that area. 
and I'm going to have a good day tomorrow. So focusing know? on the process, like you said, yep. whether it's weight loss, whether it's just getting healthier in general, don't <clears> say I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to go on dry July. I'm going to give up all the beers. I'm going to go on a no-carb diet, a keto diet, whatever it might be. Start off with small steps. Absolutely. They give you small wins. That gives you momentum. And that creates action because you're focusing on the process and not the outcome. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the greatest thing, like Adam and I, the connection, and and at, even though we've got this great ad together and we do a lot of stuff oh, together, the most together, the man shake. Yeah, but yeah. most of the stuff I talk to people say, well, "What are you involved in the man shake?" And I said, "Because it's simple." Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? I said, "Well, I've always seen these people go on these diets, and I'm like, do they ever are they ever sustainable?" And the people go, "Well, no." I said, "Well, do you reckon you can have a shake instead of a pie or a sausage roll for?" Yeah, I reckon I can do that. <laughs> do you reckon you have a, a, a man bar or something? Like, yeah, I reckon I can do that. So the thing I, I love about what Adam's philosophy, it's it's very similar to mine, you know. Yeah. Keep it really simple. Yeah. Keep it – the more complicated it becomes, the less likely you're able to do it. And even if you get through that month, it's so freaking hard – you can't bear to do another month like that because yeah. you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> I just got there, but freaking hell, I had to ride my bike for 10 hours a day or yeah. I had to go on this diet where, they were, you know, I couldn't eat for three months and, you know, all I was doing was drinking water. You know, you get through it, you end yeah. up losing the weight yeah. or you end up reaching your goal, but there's no way no you're going to reach yeah. it again. because well, you're not like, developing habits. Well, you're not no. de- develop, and habits is a great, yeah. great point. I mean, how do I develop habits that and habits are developed by just behaviours, yeah. consistent behaviours. Mm. Yeah, can I have a, a man shake a day? Yeah, I reckon I, reckon I can. You yeah, know, yeah. Does that mean I can have a beer at the end of the week? Yeah, of course you can. Oh, shit, I can do that, you know. Suddenly takes, the habits. It takes you know, away the punishment yeah, aspect. Because exactly. all of a sudden when you yeah. do these extreme extreme anything, you're, you're literally taking it from a space of, well, this is some sort of a punishment. Like, you know, so I, I put on too much weight. So now I have to actually punish myself by exactly. not. And it is, you, you start thinking that you're like, you know, how many people you talk to that's on a diet and they're just sitting there like, this is just terrible. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're, they're, miserable. they're, yeah. miserable, they're miserable because they're basically, it's like you're, you are truly saying, well, now I have to punish myself because I put the weight on. So it's changing that mindset. I mean, mindset is so critical mm. with how you look at anything that you that you tackle or take on in life. You know, yeah. the right mindset, the right, you know, knowing what, what, I guess, what your triggers are, what you like, what you don't like, those types of things are huge exercises that help everyone. Um, a lot of people don't succeed because they don't hold themselves accountable. Um, what's the key to holding yourself accountable? Well, for me, I, I wrote down 25 points when I finished co- uh, playing yeah. and that held me accountable. What I liked about my leaders, what I didn't like about my leaders and that was incredibly powerful. I, I actually, at the time, I didn't even know what I was going to coach but it turned out to be the greatest document I've ever, ever written and that held me accountable. So at some point in your life, take stock, be really honest with where you're at and yep. where you want to get to. And it's not being overly critical, it's just writing down and I think that's a really, whether that's from your health, whether it's from meditation, whether it's from a leadership point of view, be really honest and look at it through the eyes of you know, either that 20-year-old or the, the the person on the desk. So don't look at it necessarily from the here and the now, et cetera, et cetera. How can I hold? So it's going to be slightly different, but hold yourself accountable by writing down you know, A, where you've been, B, where you want to get to, or how people s- perceive you. Yeah. You know, is that the way you want to be perceived? So there's a number of ways you can do it, but it was a, for me it was a great document just to have that there, 25 points in my desk for, for 12 years, and that really held me accountable to being the leader I wanted to be. Do you share that um, set of standards with other people that you want to hold yourself 
accountable to you. I know in the playing group, you're obviously that social expectation, you know, tell people what your intentions are and that will hold you more accountable. You're more likely then to succeed. Do you believe in that? Yeah, I think I created what I tried to create at Sydney was based on those 25 points yep. and I've since shared them in the book. But I think for me, it was how did that manifest itself in my leadership style and my yep. coaching style? I don't think I ever articulated the 25 points, but it certainly formed the basis of everything I did. I think that's the individual accountability. I was never worried about if people read it, mm-hmm. but I think, again, it was really personal to me to, to say this is what you want to create, hold yourself accountable to it. But I think letting other people know yeah. to hold you accountable as well is yeah. really, really important. Yeah. And who's going to do it with you? That companionship, the relationship. So when you when they're struggling, you're the bloke that's picking them up and going. I think through teaching, through teaching someone to eat healthy, it actually holds you accountable as well. That's what I was yeah. just going to say. For me, my my biggest incentive is because I'm teaching people to be mindful and to be less stressed and to practice meditation. If I'm not doing it, I, I'm not a good teacher. Yeah. I'm not a good example because yeah. I'm not going to come in being present or being able to articulate or even, you know, um, I guess bring the energy yeah. to the room of what I would expect you know, so I've got 100%. to, I've got to, if I talk the talk, I've got to walk the walk. So well, I can me, never be fat personally. I'll never yeah. be able to be fat. Living your doctrine. Rossi yeah. Lyon used to talk about that. Living just your live doctrine. your doctrine. You yeah. know, a lot of people don't live their doctrine. And again, just by doing that, it holds you accountable, yeah. you know, to, to doing that. Brilliant. Remember, if you have a suggestion for someone you'd like us to hack for hacking the hackers, ask Adam directly at themanshake.com.au or on the Manshake socials. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.